0: We're recording now. I, I miss you.
1: In. I That was fun. That was fun. I'm a professional. <laughs> I mean not it in. Well, I miss you, man. Yes, oh. I, I miss
0: you, man, too.
1: Oh, goodness. I miss you. I miss you, man. Do I miss you? I miss you, man. I miss you. I miss you, man. Do I?
0: Hello there, everybody. This is I Miss You, Man. My name is Lonnie. His name is Dylan. We're the I Miss You, Man boys.
1: (laughs) How are you doing today, Dylan? (laughs) Doing great, mate. I love being a men boy. It's great. (laughs) Um, What are we doing here today?
0: I Miss You, Man. What's it all about? Let's go.
1: Oh, mate. Oh, my gosh. It's about you and me taking each other on a journey each week. could be about anything. Life, pop culture, everything in between. And today you're taking me on a journey which i got a little bit of homework for, but not the most amount of context in the world. So run us through <laughs> what's happening today. Alright, so normally
0: we're pretty light-hearted on this um, show. We're normally shooting the shit about pop culture, and there's going to be a little bit of that today. But um, every now and then we do go a bit deeper and a bit more serious, and that's what I'm sort of heading towards. Um, maybe not as many laughs today, but hopefully some very thoughtful discussion. Can you give me that,
1: Dylan? I can try my best.
0: Okay, terrific. Now, the listeners will have seen the title of the episode. Um, I think we just get stuck in. We're going to be talking about ishi and uncontacted people in general. Now, you might have heard of this term, or at least probably know the concept, at least, Dylan. It's uncontacted peoples. So, the Wikipedia. good friends and partners define them as groups of indigenous peoples living without sustained contact with neighboring communities and the world community Uh, groups who decide to remain uncontacted are referred to as indigenous peoples in voluntary involuntary isolation Um, so there's legal protections about these people um, at the un and there's a non-profit group called survival international they hard to know, obviously, because they're uncontacted, but it's between 100 and 200 uncontacted peoples, numbering up to about uh, 10,000 individuals. Did you have any idea of, of that many people, Dylan, living uncontacted from the rest of the world?
1: Well, I mean, I guess I assumed. It's mostly in the places it's hard to get to, right? In, like, jungles and that.
0: Yeah, so Wikipedia says a majority of Uncontacted peoples are in South America, uh, northern Brazil mm-hmm. mainly. Um, I reckon there's probably around seventy-seven to eighty-four tribes there.
1: Pretty um, much the dangerous places.
0: Really. Yes, and, and as you said, in the in the those thick forest in the Amazon, it's sort of hard to to um to get through and, and to see from above. Um, mm-hmm. Wikipedia says knowledge of uncontacted peoples comes mostly from encounters with neighbouring indigenous communities and aerial footage. And there are some islands that we know of because we can obviously see them from above and can yeah, get yeah. close-ish. But, but, yeah, that's 10,000 people. I, I've got no idea what I what I thought the number would be, but it seems like a lot, doesn't it? But, anyway, given there are, what, 7 billion people, it's not many, but still it's not not insignificant, well, is I'd it?
1: Say, I'd say it's on the smaller side, to be honest. Really? Yeah.
0: I guess these days, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, there's like a thousand people in a school, isn't there? I think there's more than ten schools worth. Yeah, I mean we put it like that for
0: sure. Um now what's your knowledge, Dylan? You mentioned, you know, living in areas that are hard to get to and but uh, in general not a topic that really comes, I guess, to mind very often. But what are you what's your general thoughts from the very top?
1: Not too much. I think it's interesting definitely. Um I haven't really delved too much into it. I watched a couple of clips. There was this guy on, like, Joe Rogan's podcast. Okay. Our rival. Our enemy. Yeah,
0: why? We're, number, we're number two. Him. Okay, we're number two. Coming for you, Joe.
1: Yeah. I hate to praise him, but this was a pretty interesting guest. Yeah. It was, like, this guy who goes into these jungles and kind of the areas around where there is uncontacted people. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, spoke some, of the, some experiences about the people. Like, and it's some mm-hmm. scary stories he was telling. He was, like... Apparently he was, like, sleeping in the middle of, like, the jungle one night and he woke up and someone's face was, like, right next to his Jeez. at one point. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, frightening stuff, yeah. And apparently he got surrounded at one point and they were all talking around him and he just ran for his life. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Interesting.
0: Yeah, and there's lots of um, ethical considerations about whether, like, how much we should make contact with these people. Clearly they don't want to be contacted or... Doing so poses some real threats um, to them and to, and to us, but I think overwhelmingly the, the threat is the other way. Uh, and I can't remember what the the prompt was doing, but I've had this um sort of ready to go this this um story and um, this topic for a long time, probably a month yeah. or two. But just how it happens sometimes on the podcast, other things come up. We do some Christinas, we do some guests, and all of a sudden take a week break, and then it's like been a while, but. Can't remember the exact prompt, but something led me down a little rabbit hole recently about looking into these people. Um, and at the same time, that took me, in one of those you know, further reading links at the bottom of the computer article, uh, to Ishii, who was a Native American man who entered white American society in the 1910s. And we went on to, I, I found a documentary, which we got some thoughts about, and we watched together, or we watched, both watched together for the podcast and talk about. What I wanted to say first off, Dylan, is like, looking at my reading and watching and, and general knowledge of history, which you have a bit of knowledge as well. One thing is becoming really overwhelmingly obvious to me is that colonisation just fucking sucks, doesn't it, man? It's terrible. We're living here in Australia on top of someone else's lost country. And that's the story that's repeated all over the world. And it's not something that we yeah. sort of think about every day and, you know, you and I as white, dark, white guys don't really have to think about it too much at all,
1: but pretty terrible, hey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's obviously no good. To, it's, um, but, you know, it's, it's also something you can't really think about too much on our side because it's, it's not our fault, obviously. No. Is, uh, but We're living I in mean, a society we have much, not much control over. we have born into it as well. I so. mean, we yeah, we have yeah. no say in what happens. So all we can do is live our best lives, but... yes. What we can do is try to find a, a good common ground for now on. Yes, absolutely. Try to write the wrongs of the past absolutely. as a society.
0: Something I do think about a lot is what it must have been like when, you know, Captain Cook and then later the First Fleet turned up in Sydney, um, and how the Indigenous Australians must have felt at that point. Because like, like you know, literally seeing the boats pull up that would have been, mm. what, a, what a, event to live through. Eh? And obviously, yeah,
1: it would have been mind blowing.
0: Yes, it would have been, and then...
1: It would have been, like, okay. I guess, like, aliens coming down to us.
0: Well, I think right. the, the parallels are there for sure. And, and yeah. something I've been thinking about during this, I'm like, are we uncontacted people in the terms of the the wider galaxy? Potentially, Hey, Yeah, it's true. Which true. We, we did an episode about that, didn't we? the family paradox and about why we haven't met aliens yet, which just kind of goes into that bit more detail. You can so find like, that in our back catalogue. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. Um, the reason I mention this is like these uncontacted peoples who still exist today, they're kind of on the edge of that story, aren't they, of the colonization um, period, is to find human history of the last um, few centuries. These people have been isolated from the rest of the world, and I, I don't know if we can say it's good or bad. It's just, I think there are positives and negatives. What would you say is a positive and a negative for
1: being in an un- uncontacted tribe, Dylan? Uh, I don't know. I guess the positive is you're preserving mm. a culture yep. and a way of life that could be erased if you leave that way of life yep. and you become contactable. So I guess that's a negative. I guess the positive is can help them, I guess, educate them about the wider world and obviously technology... Can't argue. Some of it would help them mm. with farming and all that kind of thing. But again, is that something they want?
0: Uh, you've you've touched upon the biggest issues there. Basically, yeah, it's mm. there are obviously again you can't say in one word good or bad, but you can say there are definitely positives living in a a global society as we do now with all the technological advantages and advances we've had in the last couple of
1: centuries. That's, yeah, I mean, I suppose. I suppose the best case scenario would be kind of like the Amish, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess having
0: full awareness but then choosing to live yeah how you want.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess that's the best example of how that could go. Yeah. Again, you can't really reveal yourselves to them without contacting them. So it's kind of a mm. catch-22, as it were.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And I, I think, um, yeah, if, if I was an un- uncontacted People's tribe. Like, I, I think the way it's turned out the last few times that these groups have been interactions have happened, it doesn't end up well for anybody. So, um, yeah, the question becomes what should we do? You know, and I, I hope you agree, you on that live and let live. We should let these people and they should be protected. Yay. We shouldn't exploit, we shouldn't interfere. Um, at the same time, it, it is mind blowing still that there are people who are not part of the world. They're on the same planet, and they have been the same time we have the only, But they're just not part of the same planet. You know, it's just a very big place when you think about it. Yeah. The world it
1: is it is crazy. Yeah.
0: Um But yeah, you you you're on board of that. Live and let live. Just sort of, we shouldn't be interfering too much.
1: Of course, man. Just leave them be. Yeah. If they're not harming anyone. Exactly. What's the harm in leaving them alone?
0: So. Unfortunately, there have been times where these interactions have occurred and it, and it really does end quite badly. Of course, a wider level mentioned colonisation and stealing of land and associated genocides have happened um, in many countries around the world and that's what a lot of the countries are built on. But in the, the contacts... So the, what I mean by that is that there was a time when, you know, Australia was uncontacted people to the rest of the world. But yeah. talking about more recent... Um, interactions. Um, There are people who've explored the Amazon and they've actually been killed. They've come across um, these groups and they've died. There was a group in Colombia. So they were an evangelical group made contact with a tribe called the Nunak and it was quite friendly, um, at least up to a point. Unfortunately, something you'd you'd probably be aware of is that these tribes, because they've been so... Um, isolated from the rest of the world, they've got no natural immunity to disease, and disease broke out. Oh, no. Killed off more Jesus. than half the tribe, according to Wikipedia. So that's that's terrible. That's, I think, an unintended consequence. But at the same time, there have been violent clashes uh, with some narco-traffickers, apparently, according to Wikipedia again. Jesus. Terrible, thing.
1: Yeah, I guess I never even thought of the immunity side of things. Mm. It's a whole whole other reason to, well, leave them alone. For sure. Of course. This, this
0: one group, Dylan, is quite interesting. We're going to form a bit of a discussion here. They're called the uh, Sentinelese, and they're in the Bay of Bengal, which is northeast Indian Ocean. So yeah. they're on an island, right? So there's not much we actually know uh, because we just don't go there. I say we as in, you know, the rest of the world. Yeah. They're, they're pretty much the most isolated people in the entire world. We don't know how many there there are on this island. There's probably between 50 and 200 people. We don't know what language they speak. Um, we assume they're hunter-gatherers, but that's sort of just based on the evidence that we can see, but don't know for sure. Um, the Indian government is like the, it's the nearest country, and they sort of have taken charge of looking after this island. They prohibit travel, but some people still go there, or well, haven't gone there. And there have been occasional shipwrecks who've sort of landed up there, ended up there too. There was an anthropologist in the sort of second half of the last century. Um, he went several times over the years. He was from India. His name was T.N. Pandit. Um, he tried to give them gifts and it didn't really go that well. Generally violent reactions. Um, but the, probably the most, most uh, well-known interaction between... The rest of the world and these people in the island of Sentinel, it happened in 2018. I don't know if you remember this happening, Dylan, but I remember it happening really clearly. And it's probably stuck in my mind. That's probably where the prompt came from um, at some yeah. point. There was an American missionary named John Allen Chow who went to the island to, to contact these people. He wanted to convert them to Christianity. He took a Bible. He was killed. And they were never able to recover his body.
1: Oh, is, is this... Did they eat him?
0: No one knows for sure what happened to his body, but mm, I suppose that's okay. an option. I think
1: I might have read some news articles maybe assuming that's what happened. Yeah, potentially. What do you think of the ethics of what he what he chose to do, Dylan? I mean, he's trying to force a way of life on people that can't really comprehend it. Yeah. So why, why are you doing that? Sleep like...
0: why? <laughs> I I agree. I, I think, you know absolutely terrible that someone died and you know, I would never wish that upon somebody. But at the same time, Dylan, like, what do you expect? There are, there are so many warning signs you have to look past to get into that position, you know?
1: That's a, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. Also think,
0: um, like, from the, the Christianity missionary aspect of it all, it's like, well, didn't God put them there? Isn't he okay with them being alone? like, Just leave him be. If I was... I'm not a Christian, so I know that's a bit of an easy thing for me to say, but I I guess this guy saw it as a challenge. Like, they are the most isolated people. Like If you want to convert them, that's, like, going to get you on top of the list going into heaven, I suppose.
1: Oh, I suppose, yeah. Well, he got into heaven, but...
0: Hmm, Potentially. Um, And then even if it went well, right, even if he got there and it was all okay and he was let in, he's probably got diseases and, and pathogens in his body that they would not have any chance of surviving, even a common cold,
1: you know? Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah.
0: Um, that's that's bizarre, that story. And, and I don't know, Dylan, if this is the case, but this is what prompted me initially to get back on this train, but there's actually a feature film documentary that's, like, just been released, like, this month. Or last month, oh, yeah, it's called The Mission. It looks really amazing. They talk to his family and friends and they, they sort of go into the, the ethics of it all and what he was thinking. Um, it looks amazing. I, I would like, hopefully, we can track it down. We can maybe watch it for the podcast with a little, you know, follow up episode sometime. That'd be really cool, I think. Well, I'm down. You're down. Okay, so just, just so it's clear for the podcast listeners, if you're thinking of going to contact One of these groups, we don't recommend that and we don't condone it. We don't
1: condone it, no, definitely not. Leave them be. Leave them be.
0: But yeah, the mission, we'll track that down at some point soon. Now, the next part of our episode, Dylan, is about Ishii. And his story is is kind of the inverse of this, isn't it? I asked you to watch a documentary. It's a classic 1990s history channel, hour-long or 42 minutes without the ads. Um, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a broad overview, archival footage, some experts, some voiceover, narration. I thought it was pretty well put together overall. What, what do you reckon?
1: Yeah, it was pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, it I had everything it needed to in it, I guess. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I think it's very broad. I don't think it goes deeply into Not much definitely. of the story, but like, what do you expect out of an hour long thing, right? That's the idea of getting a taste of the story, yeah. Um, also like from the 90s late 90s so i think like society's moved a little bit into like if it was made today they'll probably talk a bit more about more of the controversial aspects of it but it was kind of i want i want to say i don't want to say even-handed but i think it was just sort of like here are some facts we're not going to take too much of a controversial look at everything right we're just sort of going to give you a very basic version of the story without sort of taking too much of a side of either way Sure, but I did think it was quite interesting, and I'll put the link in our show notes. It's called um, Ishi, the last of his tribe. Now I've, I've got a little um, rundown from Wikipedia, Dylan. Do you want to do that? Do you want to give me your opinion first of the story? Should I do that first, and then you sort of give me your thoughts?
1: Would that better, maybe? No, you go ahead,
0: mate. Yeah, I'm going yeah. ahead, and then you tell me what you reckon, all right?
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. So Ishi was born around 1861 Um, when he died in March 25, 1916, so about 50 or so. He was the last known member of the Native American Yahi people from the present-day state of California in the US. The rest of the Yahi, as well as many members of their parent tribe, the Yana, were killed in the California genocide in the 19th century. Ishii was widely described as the last wild Indian in the US. He lived most of his life isolated from modern North American culture, But 1911, aged 50 and five years before he died, he emerged at a barn in Corral, about two miles from downtown Oroville, California. Ishii means man in the Yana language, and it's adopted name. So the story goes, the anthropologist Alfred Carroba, who was one of the people who studied Ishii, gave him this name because in the Yahi culture, tradition demanded that he not speak his own name until formally introduced by another Yahi. When asked his name, he said, I have, no, I have none, because there are no people to name me. Meaning there are no other Yahi who could speak his name on his behalf. Mm, so Ishii yeah. was taken in by anthropologists at the University of Berkeley, California, sorry, University of California, Berkeley, and they both studied him and hired him as a janitor. He lived most of his remaining five years in the university building in San Francisco. Now, what's your overall take, just pretty much based on what I've just said and the um, YouTube documentary watch you watched,
1: Dylan? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. He seemed like a, a decent bloke. Mm. Um, I think the guys around him seemed decent. I question... He was on display in a museum, I think?
0: Was that yeah, something? so he was kind of like a living display, it seems, and yeah. he was given... Um, he, he gave... Like exhibits, like exhibitions of of various cultural aspects, like you know woodworking that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, he, he kind of was on display at all times, which isn't good. And, and there's actually been a bit documentary mm-hmm. where they, they brought him to um, a big city for the first time after he's after he um, you know, emerges, and it's like all these Wardville guys want to take him and put him on like like carnival shows. And they're like, no, 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 yeah. we're not going to do that. That'd be terrible. Yet they do it themselves, essentially, in the university. Yeah.
1: You know. Yeah, that's what I was going to get at. Yeah, and yeah. they he like lived at the museum as well.
0: And they they made him be a janitor, as well. They made him work for them. Yeah, didn't know about yeah. that. But weird, eh? Hey? Um,
1: yeah.
0: And yeah, it, and it's quite difficult to ascertain, like how aware he was of what was going on, and how much consent. He was able to give to the events that that took place around him and to him. You know, it's something I we. I think, I think a documentary now would probably grapple with that more than that documentary back then. Mm. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah, I mean this one just assumed he was he was all cool with it. He yeah, was happy to live with the white man.
0: Yeah, and I think it also assumed the best intentions of those around him, and I, I oh, think yeah. I think they were sort of doing that, but they were studying him too. He was their subject, you know? So that's that, that, yeah, yeah. that's unequal relationship.
1: Oh, know? yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so he was often sick, um, as we said. That's, you know, the immunity to diseases was not built up and he ended up dying because he contracted tuberculosis. And TB. Yeah. yeah, terrible disease. No good. The ethics are very confounding and complicated um because at the point where he he um entered white society he was basically emaciated he had he was no food he had no family he was mm. obviously in a very tough way and to emerge age 50 from the life you've been leading in the wilderness things have been really really tough for him right he must have been a pretty much death door i have to think so he obviously didn't have much of a life to live outside of Western civilization, it kind of, that life was not possible anymore for, for him. And it, it sounded like he was accepted, and he was given a, a pretty good life, I guess, you know, with all those yeah, caveats. Yeah, I think eventually
1: he started living with his doctor friend. Exactly, yeah, away
0: from the yeah. exhibition style thing. But at yeah. the same time, it's like, he was given that life because his life was taken away from white people, white society, so... You know, I'd have to think, and I'm obviously putting my opinion on, on this on this person, who I've got no idea what they really think, but I have to think he would would have rather living the
1: life that he was living with his family before all of this. Oh, of course. I mean, this is because he lived this life with the white man because he had no other choice, he to, basically. Yes. Yeah.
0: And I think, I don't know if it was in the YouTube comments, or maybe something else that I read, Dylan, maybe on Reddit, potentially, um, it talked about the guilt. That was obviously on display by the white white people. Um, mm. They had to like sensationalize the story in the media, saying he's a he's a wild man, because um, mm. that obviously the reason he's wild is because it was his country he was living on, and you guys built a different country around it. That's why he's wild. Um, and also, a lot of the stories seem to be like. Oh look, we're showing him a great time. We've we've shown him how to use the trolley car, which we've shown him how to use. Look at the plane up there, you know. And obviously, a lot of that is because we're guilty about what we've done to his his land and his his society. But look, he like, he loves it now. He's he's going out for dinner, that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. I'm trying to, past that. Yeah. real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary um the other thing about looking back on this time what happened to Ishii it's kind of like you know, we're living in the cultural and ethical circumstances of our day and so were they and so when we put our lens on them we have to think about what they were doing how they were thinking and how they were acting you know the The people around
1: issue yeah true yeah Um,
0: what I do find interesting is that in 1999 um, the University of California Berkeley the professor of medical anthropology Nancy Shepherd Hughes wrote a letter with the campus anthropology department where they apologized for issues treatment and they read this aloud to North American Native American activists at a conference there's a conference in Sacramento discussing the treatment of native Native people in California. Yeah, right. What do you think of that, Dylan? They've they've reflected on it hundred years later. Obviously, it wasn't them, but they were you know representing the department. They were saying sorry.
1: I mean, what more can you do, really? Yeah. So it's a nice gesture. Um. I mean, we'll probably get into it, I guess, but uh, the whole after he died and the brain situation. Yeah. That was. Uh, Do you want to explain what happened there?
0: Yes, so he passed away while one of the anthropologists was overseas. And that anthropologist had a good understanding of the cultural practices and he knew that uh, to do an autopsy was going to be against the the culture and society that Ishii was from, was going to be against his spiritual beliefs. And he tried his best to get word to those who were in California to stopped them from happening, it was too late unfortunately, and so an autopsy was, was conducted, um, and they, they removed his brain, and they have kept his brain pretty, pretty rough.
1: Yeah, very rough. Did they ever get it back, and...
0: From what very I read, rough. Dylan, it ended up at the Smithsonian, I'm pretty sure, um, Jesus. so it didn't, didn't even stay where, where the autopsy was conducted. Um, and then there was a, a, a big campaign around this time of the apology to get his brain back so they could have a proper burial uh, more in custom with the with his spiritual beliefs. And that, that did occur, so that, that's good. But um, that's pretty terrible. I've actually got something here, Dylan. They didn't mention this in the um, documentary in, in great detail. Oh, no. So in the article I mentioned about the apology, um, Nancy Shepard Hughes wrote the apology She talked about Krober, who was on sabbatical. um, He left him in the hands of Saxon Pope, and Pope was the doctor.
1: Mm.
0: So after he died, Pope immediately performed an autopsy, taking his brain. As we said, that's all all we know so far. Here's a little thing they didn't mention in the documentary, though, Dylan. They said that they took his brain to use it for eugenics-centred research based on a hierarchy of intelligence. The idea being you can... Some people have better brains, and so there's a way oh, you can, no. yeah, right. And there's a there's a, a white person type of brain, and a in a you know a, in this case an Native American type of brain. Obviously, all bullshit.
1: Into, uh, yeah, I mean that's getting into Calvin Candy territory from from Django Unchained, and you never want to be there. Absolutely, yes. Um,
0: I can see why maybe the documentary glossed over that because um, it's already sure. Terrible to think that he, then autopsy was performed when it when it shouldn't have been. But then there what was happened to
1: his old mate, the other doctor that he was living with, his best mate. he just not care or something. I think that was him. He did the autopsy. Well, I think it was. It was
0: just the the thing you did at the time. I don't think it was necessarily. Oh, yes. Yeah.
1: You, did, you, would, <laughs> you would hope he would know. A, yeah. Yeah, I mean the other bloke had a head on his shoulders. He, mm. he knew it was up. Oh. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, terrible to think that people were, would, would do that at all, but then to realise it was for eugenics is even even worse, I think.
1: No, no good. No yeah. good in the slightest.
0: Um, do you have any final thoughts on Ishii in the documentary in particular? Oh.
1: I mean, it could have been a lot worse, I suppose. I guess so, At yeah. the end of the day. Still wasn't the ideal situation, but I guess... All we can do is learn from it, right? Absolutely. I I
0: I think it could've been worse if there was more of an exploitative element. And of course there was, but in terms of like if they weren't touring him around and making millions of dollars and having yeah, in their sort of him to stuff. the side show or yeah, anything
1: exactly. like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: You would hope that wouldn't have happened and so so in some ways maybe it was the best of a really bad situation, but mm it was a very bad situation to begin with. Absolutely. I just wanted to mention um, briefly, there's a sort of similar story here in Australia, Dylan. It was the uh, Pintupi Nine. So they were a group of Indigenous Australian people living in the Gibson Desert, up Western Australia, and they were up there until 1984, which seems very recent, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Almost into our lives. Yeah. Um, so their, their wider group were people who suffered through assimilation policies and the stolen generation policies. Um, but this was a group of nine people. They were a family. I'll go to Wikipedia now. They were consisting of, of two, kaiwa, two co-wives, Nanyanyu and Papalanyu, and seven children. Um, there were four brothers and three sisters. The children were in their late teens, although their exact ages were not not known, and the mothers were in their late 30s. So the death of the father, the husband of the two wives, um, that happened and the group travelled south to where they thought their relatives might be, as they had seen smoke in that direction. They encountered two campers from uh, Kilirakira, but due to misunderstanding involving a shotgun, they fled back north while the campers returned to their community and alerted others. They travelled back uh, with him to find the group. The community members quickly realised that the group were relatives who'd been left behind in the desert 20 years earlier, and many had travelled to the missions near Alice Springs. So the community members travelled by vehicle to where the group was last seen, and they tracked them for some time before they found them. And they made contact and established their relationships, and they're invited to come live at uh, Kiwikura, where most of them still reside. Um, Some of them have gone on to become artists, but they've... Think again, based off a bad situation, that that ended up pretty good compared to what it could have ended up potentially. Absolutely, yeah. Again, it, it's it's hard to to not look at this through the lens of colonization and terrible things that have happened. Um, but that one, that one, to think they got to nineteen eighty four, living, I suppose, a, a fairly isolated life. That's
1: that's um pretty outstanding to think about, isn't it? Absolutely. I assume mm. there's there's no more untouched tribes in Australia or especially America. I wouldn't imagine. I wouldn't have thought so. No, but I, mm. I guess they didn't think
0: so. Not any for probably. But well, that's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I think with in, in terms of like GPS satellite and stuff, now we probably would have seen more people yeah. if we. But yeah, I don't really have any wider point to make here, Dylan. I just thought it was intriguing and you know something to chat about. Um, It's both of these uncontacted peoples at the beginning we spoke about who are living a life away. And then people like Ishii who had no choice but to make contact. Um, Again, no point to make, Dylan. I just thought it would be interesting to chat about with you today. And I think it was interesting. hope you you had a good time. Okay, that's good. You're on point, mate. That's good. I I did enjoy watching the documentary. As always, with most documentaries, I would suggest watch it and do your own research and, and try and find the things that are missing or things that are glossed over. Um, but that, that channel, Dylan, it's pretty good, isn't it, on, on YouTube? There's so a lot there. I reckon there. we could mine that for so much content, mate.
1: Could do, could do, definitely. Many an
0: episode there.
1: Um, some interesting ones.
0: I'll, I'll make my pictures to you soon about what we should do. Sounds <laughs>
1: okay. good.
0: Um, might get amongst it. Today, Dylan, is the, the time of the show where we recommend getting among something. The documentary about Ishii, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. Gear change, though. Completely different. I'm going to talk about the Hunger Games movie, the new one. It's pretty good.
1: I liked it. I don't believe you. I oh, got on. It's good. Why well, was it good? It's a prequel. It's Early
0: a days cool. of is Hunger it? Games, yeah. yes. It's um, following Donald Sutherland's character you know he's obviously a, the uh, big dictator in the later series but in this one he's only no, really young I do not know
1: that but you Have you not watched him? I watched the first one Well isn't that I watched the first one once when it came out. Okay well, I don't remember any characters
0: <laughs> The big baddie in, is a a young hottie in this one okay that's that's what you need to know Oh hello Okay
1: Okay
0: <laughs> and essentially the story is there's a Hunger Games, they're not very popular at the, at that point in time. There's they haven't some... caught on yet. No, they've had 10 years of it, yeah. and it's like, oh, we're going to keep doing this, what's the go? Um, <laughs> and to to mix things up, they take the kids who just finished high school, they're like the, the young elite, basically, of the capital, and they take on um, the, the tributes, and they've got to be their mentors and look after them, and... And lead them through the Hunger Games, right? He gets paired with somebody who's like this a a pretty girl who's a singer. Not very not the the warrior type you'd expect for Hunger Games to do well at, right? Right, yeah. But sparks fly, as you might imagine. Ooh. And it's about them trying to reconcile you know, what to do basically. How to get live through this crazy time we call Hunger Games.
1: And he becomes evil at the end of the day. No good.
0: Yeah, it's it's sad. Really good though. It's not not an easy watch. It's like obviously they're pretty dark movies, but they're darkly entertaining. I, I like the first four. And I like the You this like children
1: more. fighting for their lives. You love it.
0: Look, mate, it's easy to say easy thing to say, but it's not that different to some of the shit that goes on in the world, is it? You know? Ooh. This is a question for you.
1: Controversial.
0: Yeah, yeah. How much do you think would have to happen for us to get a real Hunger Games going? I don't think we're that far away from it, really. I would I would hope people wouldn't do it, but also... I
1: don't know, hey? I don't know. What's, what, why do they do it? What's the point?
0: So in, in, the, in the mythos of Hunger Games, there was... Well, it's like very far in the future. America's not around anymore, but there's a new country. And... At a certain point, there was an uprising from. There's a big capital city, and there's an uprising from mm. all the little states basically around the districts. And there was a big civil war basically. And after the, the capital won and re themselves as the guys in charge, as punishment, every year they take two kids, two children from. Each of the districts, and make them kill each other. It's punishment. It's a sign of strength. It's, I guess, feeding the bloodlust. and also makes all the districts distrust each other and fight each other, and distracts mm-hmm. people as well from there. They're too busy fighting each other when they they should be, you know, coordinating and fighting back and uprising
1: again. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. What's happened outside of there? Do we know?
0: Well, as the as the books go on, I haven't read the books, but I've watched the movies, and I'm read the books now. Actually, I'm kind of intrigued by it all. There there is a an oppositional force brewing, and they they Katniss, who's the main character, becomes involved with them. So it's I think they call it like the second uprising or something.
1: Yeah, but are there countries outside this one? Well, it's hard to
0: know. It's it's very much based on the map of America, and you can sort of map where people are. Like District 12 is where Katniss is from, and it's around Kentucky, apparently. And you can sort of map every other country, every other district to a state or area. But I don't think there's any word about what's happening. There's no Canada, for example. I don't know if there's any other countries around the world. I, I think it's kind of like a a post climate change sort of world. So maybe America's the only one left.
1: Okay. Maybe we all get our own countries like iconic. Dystopian future. we get Mad Max. Yeah. yeah, mate, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Well as far as as far as apocalypses go, that's like the coolest one, right? No, I'm I'm keen for the Furyosa movie, tell
0: you what. I think there's a trailer coming out soon.
1: I feel like they've been making
0: that for like ten years. Yeah, George Miller goes to the Desert for ten years, he comes out with the masterpiece. That's how he that's his process, okay?
1: All right, who am I to quit? <laughs> That's fair.
0: Yeah, so there's like children of men over in the UK. Um, or is it like some sort of zombie thing, maybe? 28 Days Later or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Day of the Dead. Who knows? Mm-hmm, there you go. Anyway, I recommend it. I liked it a lot. I might go back to watch it, actually. I really enjoyed it. Goodness gracious, mate. Yeah. I'll we'll see, maybe I won't. Best movie of
1: 2023, he said. I don't know.
0: It's up there. It was Not enjoyable. It was a bit long. And it kind of Ooh, ended. Oh, here we go. It kind of it ended. Kind of it kind of ended, and then it went for another hour. But I didn't mind that. Once I realised, I'm like, oh, we're still going. Okay, back into it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is it better than Across the Spider Verse, though?
0: Well, I really enjoyed that. There's some pushback there now on, on, online, but I liked it.
1: Yeah, but was it better than Spider-Verse?
0: It's a different film still. Was it better? I think I enjoyed Spider-Verse more. There
1: but we some is, of that drags. Let's
0: is. face it. That's the beginning. Uh, He's talking to his f- mum for like half an hour. Get on with it.
1: Uh, that fucking sets up his whole motivation for going against the whole Spider-Society. Right. Excuse you very okay. much.
0: Cool. I'm mild. I'm Mummy's boy. How fucking dare you? <laughs> you
1: rude man. <laughs> I love Miles actually. Yeah. It's the best Miles mm. in those movies. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Creed. Gay okay, Miles, he's okay. Yeah. He's getting better. There's this YouTuber and made a good point. Feels like white people wrote him. Mm. Which it sure does. <laughs> in those games Yeah, it doesn't feel like that's so much in the movie does it It feels more authentic no. hmm. definitely, yeah And I haven't read much, I haven't read any Miles Morales comics hmm. I'd like to, but I hear they're all over the place, to be honest That's the problem with comics, eh? It's really hard to get a handle on some characters It's, uh, it's ups and downs It's peaks and valleys, for sure But you'll get there eventually, the won't world. you? Because you're doing all the Spider-Mans, so <laughs> I'm trying, yeah just Harry Osborn just got introduced into what I'm reading, and okay. he is a dick.
0: <laughs>
1: True to form. Okay. Yeah, he like it was like Peter's first day at university. We're mm. out of high school, okay. university, and he like buddies up with Flash Thompson. They just start giving him shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, day one. No
0: day one bully.
1: Yeah, it's a bit rude, isn't it? Very those rude. are pretty timeless. Those books. There is a. Every now and then, it really pulls you back into the 60s. Mm. Like, at one point in the university, they're like, hey, Peter, let's go get a soda after school. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's the 60s. That's all you could do back let's then. Let's go to the drugstore get a soda. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, they're pretty good. They're pretty timely. Stan's yeah. getting better at riding Spider-Man, so that's always good. It's a good. bill at have another, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well.
0: No. Nah. All right, well, there you go. Pong games and a really sad documentary about um, the portrait of a people <laughs> in history.
1: Well, live pop and everything in between. Well, right? We we true to form, aren't we? Absolutely. No. Dylan, are we on the socials at all? Everywhere, mate. Twixter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Instagram. Uh-huh. Facey. Oh yeah. We're there on every podcast app in existence. We'll. We'll be there. We'll be there for you.
0: Absolutely, you can just and, follow uh, us on our website. You can track us down there, Acast, all good stuff.
1: Good day, yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. Never miss that. Also, want song. to thank Mark, the man. Oh yeah, we do. Theme song. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. And uh I miss you, man. I miss you, man. I miss you, man.